0: Welcome to episode one of the LED Project Podcast, brought to you by Lighthouse Educator Development. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I'm one half of the team at Lighthouse Educator Development.
1: What up? I'm Wilkie Law, the other half, and we're excited to be here doing this podcast for 2017.
0: So, uh, we thought out just of this project, of this podcast, what we want to do is we want to just... First off, let you know what LED is, what Lighthouse Educator Development is, and the story behind it so you can understand uh, on future episodes why we do what we do, why we believe what we do, and why we're pursuing the nonprofit the way we are. So, uh, to start out, Lighthouse Educator Development is a 501c3 nonprofit started by the two of us last year, Um, and our our mission is to inspire teachers. and our, our dream, our vision is that those teachers would improve their teaching craft.
1: Yeah, and I know last year we just applied for the Final 3 But technically, Lighthouse Educated Development has been in place for about the last three years. Um, and it stemmed from a conversation between Kyle and I, when we were colleagues working in a school district at the same school. And it's amazing that even before he came on board, my principal said, I think you two guys are really going to get along. And it kind of struck me because I was like, okay, what is she saying about me? What is she saying about him? And uh, then when I met him, it was like really, truly became my brother from another mother. So um, it was just um, this clouds line for us to create this thing I yeah. think we just, yeah. were now seeing the manifestation of it, but right. we've been doing Lighthouse Educator Development for a while, and it's just now where we're Becoming a fish.
0: Yeah. We've we've been calling ourselves Lighthouse Educator Development since September of 2015. That was when we came up with that name for, for what we were and, and and for what we are. And I think it, it really just goes back to the point where I was really struggling as a teacher. And I thought that it was my teaching life that was having a negative effect on my personal life, but I had it backwards. It was really my personal life was having a negative effect on my teaching life because I had just gotten into a negative thought process and a negative thought pattern to where now that I'm in a great place and I I don't teach in a classroom anymore, I'm I'm running our nonprofit full-time, but I'm in a place where everything I do is positive and it and it continues to grow and swell. Where at that point, where where you kind of recognize that I was going through a tough time, everything I was doing was having the, the same negative snowball
1: effect. And I think it's interesting even how we began the conversation because typically when you think of teaching, everybody wants to jump in and get involved right away. And I really kind of sat back and watched. And and I think you watched me as I was watching you. And finally, when it got to the point where it was like, you realize, hey, there's something going on that you're doing that apparently I'm missing. And that triggered the conversation. And I think that kind of made it the foundation of what Lighthouse is, is that is Lighthouse for every teacher? Absolutely not. There are teachers who are doing exactly what Lighthouse stands for, inspiring students, uh, inspiring teachers already. But there are a core group of teachers who've lost it, who don't know, where they are, who need that assistance. And I think that's where we can step in and say, hey, look, this is what we can offer and do for you. Just what a lighthouse is in, that, in nature, you know, yeah. the nature of a lighthouse in
0: general. Yeah. yeah, and I think that was really important to where it was always a conversation between us. Absolutely. It was never uh, something where you told me this is what you have to do. It was always based on you asking me questions and us having a dialogue. And I really look at it too, you know, but there there's uh, the thing I love about it, there's always been a mutual benefit. Like we've Absolutely. always been in a in a spot where we always have something to offer the other person, and we've always been there when the other person was going through a rocky time to be that that kind of that stabilizing force. Because that's why we like the idea of the lighthouse, is because you know when when the weather's good for a boat when you're sailing when you're out in the ocean you don't need guidance but it's when it's when you're getting in the rocky times and the, and the weather's bad and you need to just come into port and you need to find a place to just anchor down you need that lighthouse to draw you in and I, and you talk about it, it goes back even to the Egyptians had had been using that so that's where the metaphor really comes in but you know. I think it comes down to this thing that we've been talking about this year about with our social media wanting to run a campaign of just be, we're on the same team, right? The, the thing was we were always on the same team, and it doesn't always work out for us because even still, when you ask me certain questions that make me really have to think, I have to fight not getting defensive even with you,
1: right? And I think, but I think that's in any situation. Um, I'm reading a book right now, The Coaching Habit, and that's one of the things it talks about. In there is that we. Uh, he quotes Simon Sinek um, and begin with why. And then he says, forget about that. Because he mentions in the book, the moment you ask someone why, they get defensive. And I immediately started thinking about you and I and our experiences in New Mexico and San Antonio. And how whenever that dreaded word came up, it automatically puts you on the defensive. Why are you wearing a green shirt? Why is there an R? I don't know why. Why? What, what, it's automatically that assumption that well, you're asking me why because I'm doing something wrong. And I think that the conversation overall has to shift to not why, but what is. Yeah. You know, when I struggled, I had to share my story with everyone coming out of high school. I was a struggling reader. I was a functional illiterate, to be honest. I could read words on paper but I had no comprehension. And in college, I had a college professor who set me down. And it said, if you want to know the essence of anything, find out what is, are, was, and were. And just finding those four words in a passage brings everything to life. And I think that's what we need to focus on right now. In education, is what is, who are, what was, who were. And let's push toward getting the solutions to those and not trying to always look for why. Why is we have our purpose. We know why we came into teaching. Sometimes that's a question that why is an is an intrinsic question that we ask. But when we're dealing with one another, the why becomes a, a defensive, almost a blockade to why most time people don't like to communicate fluently with one another.
0: Well, yeah, and I and you know that same thing like you're saying with why. It makes you think that other person is questioning your intention. Absolutely. And I think that's more where this, you know, our, our concept of being on the same team is. If we could all just get to the assumption that we're here for the same reason, we want the same thing. We want our kids to be successful in class and then going forward.
1: But those are reality. Most of us are not
0: here for the same thing. That is very And I think true. that is where, edu- I think the education
1: campaign about. Five or six years ago where they had the big billboards up saying, if you have a degree, come teach. And all these things, you're looking for a place to go, come teach. I don't think that was the proper protocol to fill empty classrooms. Um, Because then you get people in who are disingenuous to the true cause of education. Um, I was one. I came in at an assumption of I had a degree. I wanted better hours. I wanted weekends and summers off for my daughter. But then once I got in it, I realized that it's so much more. Because I didn't get weekends off. I didn't have more time for my daughter. I spent more time working now than I ever did before. But the purpose was so much greater than what I was doing before. And I think that is what drove me to stay in it now get 10, 10 years.
0: Yeah, and and you know, like you say that too, you can drive down the main road of Houston, and see a sign that says, want to teach, when can you start? You know, and and the thing that we really want to make sure we focus on and we want them to know and we want everyone to know about us is we want to be that force for those people who are surrounded by those people that aren't on our team. We need teachers to know that your team doesn't have to be your pod or your courtyard or your hallway. It doesn't have to be your department. It doesn't have to be your campus. It doesn't have to be your school. It doesn't have to be your city. Your team can be a group of people who you know are on the same path that are doing the same thing. I have a great team that I met when I was at Summit of Greatness uh, in Columbus, Ohio with Lewis House. Team Jim. Team Jim, what up? You know, We have a great team that we met when we were in New Mexico. We have a great team with the people we met in San Antonio and the and the friends we make from Lead Forward. Mm-hmm. Those are people that I know I can count on that are not in my physical proximity. The great thing about the world we live in now is we are not limited by our physical proximity anymore. Absolutely. And we want to target teachers who are especially new to the profession who are in low socioeconomic areas, which for the most part are going to be urban, because we know that if you could keep the teachers in the classroom, if you can get them past that three or four year barrier without thinking, gosh, I got to go back and get my master's. Gosh, I got to move into this higher position. Well, if I'm going to make this much money, I got to become an assistant principal or a department chair. Right. To just get people in there, who love the craft and who have that purpose of wanting to do right by kids because they know that they're that those kids are the next generation, that those kids are going to be the decision makers.
1: And I think it goes back to what we said before um, when we first started was value. We have to return that value. And that value does not just start with the teachers, start with American society. Let's just be honest. I mean Uh, I don't like to jump on my political soapbox too much because it's hard to get down. But I think as a society, we have devalued the power of the teaching profession. And now you have teachers who feel as if I'm here just for a check. I'm here just until I retire. Not that I'm here to find out that I changed a kid's life in 10 years. Because it's just like planting a seed. The value of a seed, you can buy a package of tomato seeds for a couple of cents. I was in a store the other day, 17 cents for a package, of seeds. What if I plant those seeds and I grow tomatoes? Even if I sold each tomato that I grow for 17 cents, it has exponentially increased the value of that little package. And I think teachers are that little package. And I think that our government has not yet realized that. What we produce is so much more valuable than who we are and what we do, but they have not placed the value on us and our profession enough to give us the the the, the status or the push up to say hey we do believe in what you do. We, they'd rather build prisons than increase the amount of dollars going to the school system. I mean when you get into that whole situation of privatized, you know, prisons getting funded from the federal government, but yet still Educators are still sitting with Windows two thousand and seven in their classrooms, and it's twenty sixteen.
0: Yeah, I, I saw a really good thing on on Facebook. It was like, do do doctors have to pay for their medical instruments? Do pilots have to pay for the jet fuel? Do and and there was one other one, but you know, teachers are expected to go out and pay for their school supplies. Yes, can you get a tax credit for it? Yes. That's but but that's mm. not the real point. They
1: give you a tax credit of 250 bucks, max. Well, I can just say this. I don't have a classroom. Half a year, dog, I've spent more than $250 on my one teachers. Yeah. And my students. Yes. So when you think about the kickbacks that they offer, and again, this is not a plea to say give teachers more money. No. I'm saying no. give teachers the prestige that comes with the fact that there's no profession on this planet. And this has been my cause and a driving force of this. There's no profession on this planet that will be where they are if it had not been for a teacher. So when you think about that doctor, lawyer, judge, uh, police officer, that none of you would be where you are if they were not first for a teacher. Then you would understand how to put value on the teaching profession and give us what we need fully to accomplish our jobs.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, <clears throat> that really comes back to that that same thing of no matter who you talk to, everyone has had an educational experience, yeah. even if you're someone who dropped out. And we've talked about this a ton. I'm a big believer. These kids who don't respect teachers and don't value education learned it from someone. Absolutely. And that someone they learned it from, whether it's their mom, whether it's their brother, whether it's their grandparents, that someone had a bad experience and made them devalue education. And we talked about this. The scariest thing for me is thinking about what this generation of kids right now who are coming up, who seem to value education less and less, especially where we talk, what happens when they become? And they give that attitude to their, kids. to their kids.
1: And I think that's the issue with uh, with educational reform. We're spending millions of dollars in the state of Texas to create tests. We're spending millions of dollars to make curriculums more rigorous. Um, but we're doing absolutely nothing the development of the individual human being you know it's it it, I think the devaluing of teachers go beyond just us as individual teachers but it goes to the system itself that is set up to kind of wham bam thank you ma'am. that's what we want and I think that for LED our focus is to bring back that focus on the main thing the value of teachers of educators letting teachers know that they have value. I don't care what administrators say, I don't care what specialists say, you have value yourself. And I think that that's where we have to go to as a society, you know, just a little plug for teachers. If you know a teacher and you're watching this, just thank them because it is a thankless job that we we tend to every single day. And despite what people say, just talking to one of my buddies today, he was like, oh, you teachers are off for MLK Day. I say, come do what we do. Sit in our classroom and see if you're not ready for a break after the first day. You know, because it is more than a notion to sit in, educate people who are not motivated, to educate people who don't value education, to to deal with the different attitudes of 90 to 150 different bodies in your classroom and become that person each and every one of them. So, big ups to all of our my colleagues out there, all over who are pushing toward making this society better through education. Big ups to you.
0: And I think we'll stop episode one there. Uh, if you found value in this video or this podcast, please share it. Uh, go ahead if you want to follow us, like us on Facebook. We are Lighthouse Educator Development, or you can go to our website, which is the LED Project.